Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Alex Black, CEO of Rio2. We talk about track record, uh, cash and financial structure, the geology of uh, the asset that they've got, water, the acquisition of various infrastructure, um, and how they're going to fast track this project through. They're waiting for an EIA, which uh, should be through soon. They've also got to get financing in place by the end of the year. Enjoy the podcast. Alex, how are you doing, sir? Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Not bad. All good here. Not bad. Been busy. We haven't spoken in a while, so I wanted to catch up and see how you are. I see the uh, taste in yeah, shirts is, uh, is still there. Yeah. I got dressed up for you um, <laughs> as Latin American correspondent. For a Crux Investor, oh. I decided to uh, put something um, almost Latino on. But um, yeah, so how are things up there in the UK? We are, we're good. We're kind of holding up. I think everyone's a little bit bored, to be honest. But I think most people are doing the right things. But the uh, shops, the pubs are open. Oh boy, they're rammed. They're absolutely rammed. People have been missing the pub, apparently. Yeah, I mean, look, you know. That's the whole thing. Too many people missing too many luxuries. And, uh, you know, what this virus needs is people to take a step back and, 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 and just do without for a period of time and, 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 and try and prevent this virus from spreading right down. You know, right now here in Latin America, it's, it's devastating. I mean, all the way from Mexico through south and obviously north of Mexico as well. It's pretty, pretty rampant as well. And, and it's just sad. And, and there's just simple things you can do to, to try and mitigate it. You can't stop it, but you can mitigate it. But a lot of people choose not to do so. Well, the, I mean, the, yeah, those are, those are wise words indeed. And we've seen some of the numbers coming out of you know South America. And as, as you referenced there, the US of A as well. Things are not looking good. But what's the reality on the street? Or you know, And, and again, I know we're going to talk about work, but just in, just in terms of living there, is it, are you seeing the, those impacts? Oh, well, I'm in a bubble, you know, I, I live in San Isidro, which is an inner suburb of uh, Lima. And, uh, you know, we, we, we are all hunkered down here. I mean, we do leave and we do go out in the street, we do go shopping and all that sort of thing. But we do that with all the strictest protocols we can think of um, to do that. Now, the issue is that the rest of Lima, which is a 10 million uh, uh, population, um, can't do that because informal employment here is 70% of the workforce. Uh, 40% of the people here in Peru don't own fridges. Uh, simple things like that. So when you talk about lockdown, how can you lock down if you can't stick stuff in the fridge and uh, ride out a week without going outside? So there's all sorts of issues related to living in a developed part of the world, which is, oh, sorry, undeveloped part of the world, which is where we are. And it's really sad to see because I'll tell you, watching the news every night is not is not a happy event. What's the government doing about this, and what what are their instructions? They've done, they've done the best they can. I mean, they started off when when Spain um, went down lockdown. Um, the Peruvian government did the same thing. It then started fiscal stimulus. I mean, the economy here in Peru has been very very good over over many years. So they did have some firepower to do fiscal stimulus. But the problem was the stimulus wasn't getting out to everybody because the 70% of informal workers don't appear anywhere, right? So um, you can't get money to them. And so it, 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 it worked, but it didn't work. They did their best. Isolation wasn't working. Now it's all about protocols. It's all about mask, you know, uh, keep, keep your distance and, and keep washing your hands and, and 
try and mitigate what's going on as a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's a familiar story we're hearing from you know the different people we're talking to all around South America, but I guess not everyone's listening, looking at the numbers. But like, let's 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 not make this a show about COVID. Let's talk about, let's talk about you because since I last spoke to you, which was sort of the end of April, your shares have gone from forty-five cents up to seventy-seven cents, and you were telling me before the show you weren't happy with that. And, I'm, and we're going to find we're going to find out why because mo- most most people would be very very happy with that. Um, uh, so look, we'll, we'll get into it. Let's talk, let's kick off with the usual one minute overview of the company, and then we'll pick it up from there. Okay, Rio Two um, is a uh, Canadian listed Lima listed OTC QX listed uh, junior gold company. Our principal asset is the Phoenix Gold Project located in the Atacama region, Maracunga Gold Belt of Chile. It's the largest undeveloped gold oxide heat bleach project in the Americas with 5 million ounces of M&I constrained within a uh, $1,500 pit shell. We've focused our PFS on a 1250 gold price. And so our starter project which is focused on 1.8 million of those 5 million ounces of reserves uh, are bulletproof down to $1,100 gold. Um, That's our principal asset. Me, myself, I'm the founder, president, CEO. Uh, I own 15 million shares in the company, which accounts for about 8% of ownership on an undiluted basis. I paid about $2.5 million over the last uh, four years in buying those shares. I get paid $300,000 a year and uh, I don't sit on any other boards or any other advisory committees, so I'm 100% focused on uh, Rio 2. I love that bit. I love the bit at the end. Two CEOs have followed your lead on that one, only two since we spoke, oh, which is I, a start. I, I, I challenge the rest to follow. <laughs> we, we, shall, we shall see. They still look a little bit nervous when I talk to them. Um, look, I... I I, I, there's one of the stories I like, okay? Um, I, th- I think you've put together a, a team who's going to build a mine. So I, th- I think that's, and there are very few mines actually get built. So let me try and, um, if I may, just cover off some of the points which have been raised by watchers of the show, followers, subscribers, etc., cetera, um, just to help me understand it a little bit more detail and for them to perhaps hear it from you rather than me. Hit me. Okay, Hit me. are you ready? So we're gonna start with the easy ones. Right? Let's let's go with, you, you've covered how much you own of the company and you, know, you bought in the open market and I think that was a big question which kept coming up time and time again. So you've answered that one, but let's start with the track record. Can you just remind people what your track record was in creating shareholder value, please? Yeah, just quickly, I mean, we, we uh, are the same team that uh, ran Rio Alto Mining back between 2009 and uh, 2015. In 2009, our market uh, cap was about uh, $12 million. We acquired the La Reina Gold Project in Peru. We quickly ran that to through the um, uh, permitting and, and uh, um, construction phase and production phase. Uh, we got that up to about 220,000 ounces a year. That was a gold oxide heat bleach project. Um, we then acquired Sullivan in 2014. They had the Shell Window Gold Project in Peru. Uh, we took that on, um, we advanced that uh, through to construction, 
And then in 2015, we were acquired by Tahoe Resources for $1.2 billion. The interesting thing about that rise from 12 million to 1.2 billion was that we only raised $80 million of equity during that period of time. That's the only amount of equity. And so you're gonna see the same thing here with us. Uh, we're gonna be very, very stingy on equity, uh, which means people who like this story are gonna to have to buy us in the market, not wait for um, uh, equity financings. And so that's who we are. So we've built two gold mines in the last 10 years. Uh, we created significant value for our shareholders along the way. And this is the third mine that we are going to be building with construction starting uh, next next year. Okay. Th th those, I mean, great numbers, fantastic numbers. And you've got a track record of, of delivering. But I need you to show me why this is going to be a cookie cutter approach to delivering the same value, why you can repeat that again. So let's start off with the current structure, if you don't mind, of, of the, the company in terms of shares out, etc. Yeah, we've got, we've got about 180 million shares out right now. On a fully diluted basis, we've got about 240 million. And that's why I, I'm not going to be rushing to do any equity anytime soon. And we can talk more about financing the project going forward. Um, uh, we have about, uh, you know, as of the end of the quarter, last quarter, we're about $14 million Canadian in the bank. Uh, that's probably down to about 11, 12 right now. Um, we uh, ha have been seeing warrants being exercised. Unfortunately, the previous financings that we did, the last two previous financings, we, we had to do warrants because we were in a bad time. It was before this rise in the gold price. Now, today, you would never do a warrant uh, exercise or uh, issuance for a, for a real company uh, and real asset. So, uh, unfortunately, we've got a bunch of warrants, but that, those warrants have been starting to trickle in, which is good. Um, we're fully financed all the way through to the construction phase. So that's why we don't have to raise any more equity any anytime soon. And the other thing is that at uh, 70 odd cents that you were saying our share price is at, that gives us um, a valuation of about 140 million. Um, that's where I think the talk is. Um, you know, once we get our project into production and given what's happening with the gold price and the gold environment right now, if we're not a, one, a plus $1 billion company at the time that we, we get to production, I'll, I'll be shocked. And so that's the opportunity we have here. I'm disappointed with the performance of our share price. I mean, that sits with me as CEO. Uh, I, I kick my ass every day because I don't think I, you know, we, we deserve that valuation. Uh, we should be uh, a multiple ahead of that, um, but it is what it is. And uh, I think part of the reason is that uh, there is this overhang of the thought that we are going to do an equity financing of some size to finance this project and and it's my job to try and mitigate that right so, so you're saying you've no intention of you can't rule it out but you've no intention of doing an equity raising it, it, i'm doing everything possible and, and we're looking at all the traditional forms of financing this project and with we're looking at unconventional forms as well okay um, one of the things when we built la arena back in 2010 we took down a gold loan with red kite back in those days that was one of the first gold loans ever done uh, to a company like us by a company like Redkite. It actually set Redkite up and it set us up. Now, we were at the forefront, we were innovators. We are looking at, not, you know, I can't say exactly the same uh, recipe, but we are looking at innovative ways of using what investors are looking for in this market to deploy capital 
and we are hoping that we can come up with something innovative to, to fund this project. Over. I mean, we've seen some quite funky structures from companies, you know, in South America, like Grand Colombia, where they've they issued bonds and paid it down with gold and cash. I mean, are you talking that sort of level of interesting? Um, we might. I mean, and and you just saw that Grand Colombia is a large shareholder of a company called Caldas, and Caldas have just done a, a vanilla, well, relatively vanilla. You know, uh, wheat, uh, uh, wheat and precious metals uh, stream, and um, you know they're going to do an equity issuance, and they're doing one right now, I think, for forty-five million dollars. Um, so, but that's vanilla, right? Um, I'm talking about not vanilla, and and if we can pull something off, as what we're thinking, uh, we're going to be right at the forefront, and I think we're going to set a tone for other people to follow us. Yeah, I mean, essentially, like I always say, like money's money. It's just the the, the terms and the cost of that money that uh, is the interesting bit. And, you know, cool, cool. There are so many people out there that are trying to put money into fixed income and they're getting no returns, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the crowd to attract is those people that can't get sufficient returns out there and provide them with an incentive, get involved in a gold backed return. Is what we're talking about. Yeah, I think that would be very, very interesting. Look, um, you'll keep us up to date as that develops. Yep. I, I'm, I'm sure. Um, let me get into the asset first, because again, I want to, I want to understand this cookie cutter approach. Again, I want to understand what I'm buying into here. Okay, the, the team, the team's track record, I get. But with regards to the asset, this is the largest. The largest of anything is always quite interesting, but uh, usually. Um, but the largest uh, gold heap leach oxide project in, in the Americas sounds quite interesting. Um, why do you make that claim? Well, from research, um, if we look at a neighbor that just put out a press release today, Kinross, uh, talking about Lobo Marte. Uh, Lobo Marte is over 6 million ounces. But it's not a pure gold oxide heap lease project because it comes with copper and therefore there's a SARP process involved. And you can see that their capex that they've predicted at the uh, pre-feasibility level, which is likely to be many times, well, you know, a lot more than what it is, is a billion dollars. So when you look at, they, they, they report very low uh, ASIC, but their IRR is in the low 20s. So you go, well, what's going on there? And the dynamic there is it's just going to be huge capex to build. Now, we have a project that if we were to build it out day one, yes, we would have a big capex. But we've decided to focus on a small starter project, which will cost us about $120 million. Exactly the same cookie cutter recipe as what we used at La Reina and Shell Window. Start small and build up from there. That's what we're good at. And also accelerating ourselves to that point. I mean, we're in the best bull market for gold that I've seen in my 40 years, and who knows how long it's going to go for. And it's all about r rushing as quickly as you can to get to the point where you're producing gold bars, and that's what we're about. Okay, so I appreciate that. You, you did, though, inherit a different kind of PFS, a much bigger opportunity, yeah. I think. And there, is a, right? there is a bigger opportunity there. Our, our, our throughput rate is going to be 20,000 tonnes a day for the starter project. We believe with, and the, the biggest constraint, two constraints are the gold price and the and water, right? Now, we're going to truck the water from Copiapo to the project for the starter project, but for the larger project, we're going to look, have to look at a larger source of water. And we're working on that right now. 
Put that aside, if we had that larger source of water, we can get the production rate up to about 100,000 tonnes a day from 20,000, so that's five times more, and we'd be on a run rate of about 250 to 300,000 ounces of gold production at that run rate. Now, once we settle on that gold, um, sorry, on that uh, water option, our intention is to do a PEA, so we can show that, right? We can say, this is where we're going. However, we're going to start here. Now, all the expansions that we did at La Rainer and Shawinda were funded from cash flow. And that's exactly what we intend to do here. Get started, $120 million initial capex, some sustaining capex along the way, but cash flow will hopefully set us up for the larger project as we, as we go ahead. That's the model. That's what we intend to try and achieve. And we've done it twice before, so there's no reason why we can't. It's quite interesting, actually, in this current market, current gold bull market, people are getting quite excited. I think there's a lot of companies perhaps don't necessarily deserve to be uh, where, where they are, are getting a lot of voice, they're getting a lot of notice, their share price is going through the roof, market cap increasing. They don't look to me like they're ever going to get into production. But um, you, you were talking to me just before we started, and I said, you know, congratulations on the share price. And you're like, no. Not happy. Why? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't like to compare us to other developer peers because it's like comparing apples with oranges because, uh, you know, but uh, we're in the lower quartile of valuations of those developers, the lower quartile. And so um, I'm not happy. And that's my responsibility. And I've got to change that. Uh, we should be in this market with what we've got and going into construction next year, I would say at least a 300 to $350 million company. We're a $140 million company. So we're lagging this bull run in this market, but we will catch up. Okay. We will catch up. Well, let me talk about a couple of things you just took off the table. I want to bring them back on the table, which is, you know, and it's an ongoing commentary in the marketplace. I know you've answered them with us in the past, but I, I do want you to say it again, which is one, why did you reduce the size of the PFS in a gold bull environment? Or, or, or did you? It uh, wasn't. So, you know, here we go. Um, we did our PFS last year. It was just when gold was starting to turn. Uh, we, we published the PFS back in August of last year. Um, we decided to focus on, on 1250. Uh, the economics were, or the financial model was done at 1300. This project that we're going to start breaks even 1100. Now, let me tell you from a mining perspective, because we are miners, we're not promoters. It's all about doability. So we feel very comfortable that we've got a, a modest capex of $120 million that we can start this project. And let me tell you, nothing goes straight forward in the mining game. So when you build a project, you want to ease into it. You want to see how it performs. Um, it's like a bucking bull for the first 12 months. You know, people will ask you, what's your, what's your uh, uh, operating cost? And I, my answer to that always will be, i got no clue. You know, because we're sitting on a bucking horse. So you want that luxury of being able to ride the horse and then get it on a steady plane, break the horse in, and then you're off and running. So that's one thing that we did really well with La Reina Show Window. We're going to do the same here. Sure, we could build a bigger project, but where are we going to get the $400, $500 million to build it, right? We're going to blow our brains out. You know, I'm a shareholder. I told you that I own about 8% of the company. I'm greedy. 
and I hope every other shareholder in my company is greedy too. I do not want to blow our brains out. Now, promote a company A, B, C or D who don't have a lot of skin in the game, don't, quite honestly, don't give a shit, right? They just go and issue stock and there's lots of people issuing stock right now. And I hate this term, but when the, you know, when the ducks are quacking, you know, I mean, I hate that. You know, for me, it's like, no, make it look like you don't need any money and force investors to buy in the market. Yeah, okay. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. Um, second point, water. Let's come back to that water thing. You, I know you said you come up with a couple of options for now, but it involves trucking, right? And we asked, we've talked about in the past, you know, there's all sorts of potential issues with trucking, aren't there? No, no we've got one option right now. I thought you had two routes. Water. You're trucking water through two routes. Yeah, we've got two routes. Just, just to show people that have asked us the question about, okay, what happens when you're trucking through Kopiapo and there's a problem uh, with traffic, et cetera, you know, what's your options? And there is another route. And that route, we could take 100% of the time if we really wanted to, and it'll only impact our operating costs by about $30 an ounce. So uh, not a killer, killer solution. So we have got a workable solution. The reason, one of the reasons we chose that as well is we've taken the water equation out of our EIA, right, which is currently in review. And so we've simplified the whole EIA process. By simplifying the whole EIA process, we've accelerated the time frame. Once again, going back to what I said, we're all about running as fast as we can to get to production. Because the day I hold that gold bar up with my team uh, is gonna be the day that we've executed and delivered as we've said. Now, it's getting there as fast as you can. Okay, so you said, what's the total number on using trucks to deliver the water in terms of you know, dollar per ounce? Uh, it's about $100 an ounce. And if you go the longer routes, about $130 an ounce. So it's not a, it's not a deal breaker. And that $100 an ounce is built into our $1,000 ASIC that we've shown in our PFS already. So it's not as though um, you know, we've buried the cost somewhere. Um, and you know, it's very straightforward. There's a truck every 20 minutes leaving the water retreatment facility that we're going to buy the water from. Um, we're going to have trucks carrying diesel. We're going to have trucks carrying other consumables. Um, Kinross are going to have trucks going up there because they're starting up uh, La Coipa, um, which should um, reach production when we reach production at, uh, at Phoenix. So, you know, it's, and it's a tourist road, not well, you know, it's not hugely um, covered in traffic. And the other thing is there's nothing between Kopiapo and the projects so far as, um, you know, villages or settlements or people or houses or anything. It's, you know, it's inhospitable part of the, the world in the Atacama Desert at altitude as you get closer to our project. So you're saying other people are trucking water into their projects. That's just... No, no, no. I'm just saying other people are trucking consumables to right. their projects. What's the difference about trucking water to a project? Um, and people have asked me, so what happens if there's an event and you can't get water up there? You know, we're going to have at least two weeks of water built up at the project. So um, that's going to be our reserve. Like every other consumable, we have two weeks of fuel, we have two weeks of, um, you know, cyanide, we'll have two, two weeks of everything you know so so we'll do all the right things to mitigate any potential issues that happen natural disasters or whatever happens 
um, during the uh, during the life of uh, our operation. So, what's the long term solution for the water, though? Long term solution we're hopeful of is um, twofold. It's either to um, talk to somebody that's got water rights in the area that are not using them. That means pulling water out of the ground. That is doable. It's just a process to get permitted, but that will dovetail in well because if we if we got water rights today and it took us three years or four years to get those permitted, well, that's fine because that will be in year two of our, our starter project and we can dovetail that in. Um, the other option is to pipe water from the water retreatment facility from Copiapo to our project. That was in the initial pre-feasibility study that was done by Atacama Pacific back in 2014. That is doable. That comes with about $140, $150 million of capex for pipe and pumps to get the water up there. You can do it. It can happen. Once again, we, we will be picking a solution in the not too distant future about this one or that one, and we will go on that direction and we will show how that will dovetail in and what that will entail from a, 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 a CapEx perspective to, to dovetail in with the expansion of the project. I mean, do you see anything that will cause you to not be able to hit your $1,000 ASIC? What, what are the issues? No, we've been rather conservative uh, with our pre-feasibility study. Uh, we think that that is definitely achievable and we hope uh, with the infrastructure that we bought close to the project um, a, a few months ago, whereby we have a water bore that we're currently reviewing and checking to see what the capacity of that bore actually is, because we may be able to expand it. At the moment, it's five litres a second, which is 20% of the water that we need for our starter project. So all of a sudden, we've cut 20% off the costs of getting the water up the road. Um, we've got a camp there that will be... Um, uh, uh, refurbing and using as our construction camp and our base for our operations. This infrastructure is at 3,200 metres above sea level, so it's a great great altitude to be working at uh, as opposed to the mine, which is 20 kilometres away at 4,500 metres. Uh, and there is also a power line that goes right through the infrastructure that we've got access to that in the future, because we're going to start our project with gensets, but in the future we can tie into the grid and that'll reduce our OPEX even further. So, and, and, and also uh, a sensible thing to do for the larger project. What we've been struggling with is to try and find um, comps for you because there's nothing quite like you. We, 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 well, we think. I think the best comp for me, um, likewise, it's not, it's not in the Americas, it's Patrick Downey's, um, you know. Like Ozone. Um, yeah, in Orzone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, that's about five million ounces. Um, it's, you know, very similar, very similar characteristics. And it's interesting, you know, I, I, I mentioned on social media the other day, Patrick, Patrick's company plus my company, um, uh, total valuation is about uh, $400 million, I think it is, if you put the two together. And uh, I was comparing it to Rupert Resources who are drilling holes in Finland and, and they were raising money and they had a 500, nearly $600 million market value. And that's what you were saying earlier about the disparity between, you know, sexy drilling versus somebody who's going to build a mine. But eventually we'll bypass that and go magnitudes ahead of that, both Patrick and ourselves. So I think that's probably the, the closest I can think of. But, but why, do you, why do you say that? That's just in terms of valuation compared to what you've got. But I'm trying to think about, 
you know, are there companies in the Americas? So first of all, I buy that. I buy the Ozone Comp on, on, from that perspective. But in terms of what else is happening in the Americas at the moment, the ability to create meaningful uh, wealth and return for shareholders, are you seeing anything that you think, well, that's... No, no there, there's a few development projects that are probably four to five years out. And will they, will they capitalize on this um, cycle? I've got no idea. That too, that's too far for me. Um, I remember two years ago, people were complaining we were, too, you know, three years out. <laughs> but we quickly caught that up. But um, no, there's, there's some interesting stuff out there uh, in the Americas, but nothing like this and nothing that's just about ready to go. I mean, if you look at Pure Gold, um, they're about, they're building now, they're about to come into to production, but that's an underground show. Um, you know, there's a handful of guys that are going to be um, constructing next year. I mean, less than a handful, probably. And I'm talking about less than five. Um, and uh, Patrick and and, uh, and myself and my team are two of them. No, it's, it's yeah, it, 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 it's exciting times. You've got a you've got a bit to do. Well, well, a bit less since, since we last spoke to do. But you to to do that, um, cash is good. What are you waiting for in terms of production? I'm trying to find fault with this. So what what are, what are the things that you're still having to deliver? Between no, we're, now we're, and dealing then? With, we're dealing with the constraints of COVID. Um, you know, COVID-19 has impacted Chile and uh, we don't know right now what that impact will be on us. Now, um, when I talk about impact, I'm talking about timing, right? Because... Um, the Chilean authorities are very bureaucratic. They work at a different pace to to what we used to here in Peru, for example, and what we did what we did here in Peru. So we're constantly lobbying, pushing, keeping things going, providing all the facilities possible. Um, one of the processes in the EIA process that the government runs is a community consultation um, meeting that happens right at the beginning of the EIA process. The pro problem with COVID is that hasn't happened in our case because um, you, can't, you can't meet in groups. So now we're working with the authorities in providing virtual resources for the communities they want to consult to have that meeting, right? So, but that's taking some some effort uh, because it's it's different, right? And uh, some some bureaucratic groups find it difficult to to adopt different things right and out of the box things so but but you know we're managing that um uh, uh what other things um you know financing uh, i mean i talk about being innovative let's see what happens um there's no lack of interest in financing this project i know that it just depends on how far over we want to bend over um at the end of the day on the deal that we want to take but once again we've been there before we know what we're looking for we're not naive and uh, we will do the best deal we can for our shareholders so we're on track i mean we're going to be starting to build things uh early next year uh there'll be lead order items and that's going to be part of the financing trick is going to be getting uh money to enable us to start spending early next year start building things out um, and getting towards the end of the year where we go into it, you know, really hard. Alex, I mean, like, th thanks for that rundown. I, I think that, 
like I say, I, I do say well done for getting that share price going, motoring again. I know it's not as much as you yeah, want. But, that, but I didn't do anything. That was, you know, all boats have risen in this gold price. Once again, I, 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 I have not created any value, you know, um, and so I'm kicking myself because I, I haven't. There are some reasons for that because I'm sort of in this unfortunate, boring development stage, mm. but I'm not happy and I have not created the value that could have been created given the comparatives that are out there, but we're a different style of company to those, a lot of those companies. You're bidding yourself up and going, I haven't created value. Um, yes. I should do more. So yes. tell me, given you know what you haven't done, tell me, do you know what you need to do to create that value? No, I, I think there's, you know, everybody has hindsight moments. I, 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 we were hopeful of um, acquiring a couple of other assets along the way. We never did, not for any reason. That's just the way M&A goes. Uh, that would have given us a you know, bit of other fruit to what we were doing. When you have one asset in a company, it's tough. And Patrick's going through the same thing with Orzo. So one asset companies do find it tough. What I have to do is just continue to execute and deliver. The value will come. But I am a little frustrated and I am, you know, self-flogging myself, whatever you want to call it, because I missed, you know, maybe I missed a couple of things that I could have done um, that could have capitalised on the situation. But we're in it for the long haul. Um, once again, boats are rising and a lot of them will sink and only a few will stay at the top. Right, and we're going to be one of the one of the top. That's for sure. Um, so, that's the end game. But in the at, at the moment, we just got to watch some of these share prices going parabolic, and uh, that's the other good thing. I, I I don't want to see my share price actually going parabolic because, you know, gravity also always works in this market. Right, you see par parabolic curves, and there's always the other side of the curve. Um, I, I don't care what sort of bull bull view you have. There's always the other side of the curve. The idea is to go up slowly, gradually, 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 and then really start to create value. And you can see that in all the producers, all the mid-tiers um, that are producing, um, it's steady she goes and value will come. Thank you very much. Stay in touch, Thanks, pick, up, pick up the phone and like, let us know how you're oh, yeah, on, and Just right? to remind everybody, I'm always accessible. Uh, my email address is alex.black at rio2.com. I respond to every email that I receive. I even hook up with people and tell them to call me back and you know, we talk on the phone, whatever. I'm an open book. And you're on social media too. We've seen a few of those comments. Why not? Yeah, some people like it, some people hate it, but anyway, there you go. <laughs> uh, yes, Star. We will speak to you again soon. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.